0: For 2016, you now know well we are into our theme of strong and courageous. The goal therein of the theme is to remind us not of how strong we are, but of how strong and courageous God is. That if we're with him, we have nothing to fear. Our theme verse comes from Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 where God says this, Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We have, as part of that, trying to remind ourselves of the importance of God's word. We have, to that effect, engaged in 90 days of reading through the New Testament. You may have noticed, especially if you're a guest, a box out in the foyer Uh, That box has a reading schedule and uh, bracelets for those of you participating in the 90 days reading schedule. Whether or not you're reading through the Bible, through the New Testament in 90 days, or doing your own plan, either one is fine. The point is to be in the Word. And why? Because we want to know the author better. This is a picture of Pam Byers. I think she wins the prize for the international contest. Here she is reading The book of Ephesians from the city of Ephesus. She's holier than you are. For that matter, she's holier than I am. Well, anyway, today is day number 87. If you've been participating, uh, we started January 10th, so we're coming up here, uh, on the, uh, tail end of the Northside 90 Days program. Uh, for just a note, if you're interested in getting bracelets or reading schedules after this Sunday, uh, we're going to discard of all of those leftovers. So if you'd like any extras for whatever reason, uh, you would want to grab those today. We are sort of in between a series here. On April the 17th, Steve Tandy, who you know, will be preaching the women's conference sermon, so to speak. Uh, He is a a large part of that. He and Cindy both began that ministry, and uh, that ministry has really grown. I I sort of say Northside has a women's conference. It's sort of like women's conference has a church, (laughs) We have, uh, if you know the time and effort uh, put into the conference, it is unbelievable. And I want to commend certainly all the women on the uh, oversight team and and all the leaders helping in various ways. Anyway, so Steve will be preaching on April the 17th. And so here between today and next week, we have like two weeks to do a series, which is not really long enough. So we're going to do a mini series. And that mini-series is based on the one question, and that is this. What is the goal of every Christian? Now, this is Sunday morning, and we're not big on participation Sunday morning, so I'll just answer for you. The answer that you have in your mind is that the goal of every Christian is to get to heaven. And I'm here to tell you that that is where we will end up, But from God's perspective, that's not the goal. You see, heaven will mean very little to us if God does not matter to us. If we do not have a relationship with him, why would we want to spend eternity with him? The goal, from God's perspective, is one thing. It's love. And that's what we're going to talk about in these two weeks. Love, what Jesus described in Matthew chapter 22. I hope you're in your Bibles because these verses won't be on the screen. We'll have a few, but it would be more helpful to you to be in the word, to be reminded of what God tells us. Now, in Matthew chapter 22, give you a little context here. This is in the temple during his final week prior to crucifixion. And Jesus was being questioned by various religious groups. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 22, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they wanted to entangle Jesus in a dispute about paying taxes. In verses 23 through 33, the Sadducees, who didn't believe in the resurrection, wanted to debate him about the resurrection. But Jesus' answers caused the people to marvel and to be astonished. Now let's turn to the verse that was just read for you. I know that Dale read it, but I want you to follow along as I read it. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You see, more than anything, God wants you to love him. But love is not something that can be forced It is a choice that must be made. And from the moment he formed Adam from the dust of the ground and formed Eve out of a part of his side, he has given human beings something that he has given no other part of creation than that is the ability to choose whether or not to love him or not. It's a great, powerful choice one whom many of us neglect, even those in the church. God reminds us over and over again that love is the most important thing. If we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we will end up eternally with him in heaven. Think how Jesus said it. Jesus described the Judgment Day as a day of animal separation, the sheep and the goats. And he's going to say to those on his left, away from me, because what? I never knew you. Oh, it's easy to go through the motions. It's easy to check off the list. My question to you this morning is, do you know? God and do you love him as he loves you deeply and he's done everything under heaven except override your ability to choose loving God is all encompassing the Israelites were told that they were to love God Deuteronomy chapter 6 some scripture that you know well but turn there anyway Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verses, verse 4, we'll read through verse 9. In the Hebrew, this is called the Shema. It means literally to hear. The reason is why the verse begins this way. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. As Jesus was quoting scripture here. Scripture that they would have known well that the Jewish people, the people of his calling were to be in love with God, not just intellectually, not just as Emotionally, but physically, and they were to love God with every part of their being fully, completely, all-encompassing. They were to love God fully and not partially. You know folks who love God emotionally while they commit intellectual suicide. You know those who love God intellectually, but have zero heart. You know those who love God emotionally and intellectually, but have no obedience in their lives. Our love for God must encompass all areas, the heart, the mind, the soul, and the strength. It's the kind of love that God commands. Second, God Loving God is always shown. Jesus said, you can tell a person's heart. Did you know that? You can tell exactly what's in a person's heart. You thought this whole time that you couldn't, but you can. I'll give you a little secret. Here's how you see it. You watch what they do. When you watch what they do, their heart will always betray their mouth and their mind. The heart is the seat of action. Yesterday I went to a wedding for Josh and Michaela Silverman. It's a beautiful ceremony. It was a lovely evening. They've been in love for about six years. They pledged their love yesterday. But that's, that's part of an engagement. That's part of a wedding. But those of you who've been married for more than 30 seconds know that there's more to it, right? Right? It's more than just saying, it's more than just ceremony, it's what you do that matters. As you know, there are times when a husband and wife will face trials, a spouse will lose a job, and the other spouse will have to be the emotional support. One spouse will get sick with an illness that doctors don't have an answer for. Or maybe the answers they have aren't very good. And the spouse will have to be there and love them. Perhaps you'll have children and you'll watch that child break your heart into a thousand pieces. And you'll weep and you'll pray. And you'll only have one another to hold on to. You see, marriage should be centered in love. But love has more to it than just what you say. It's how you show it. It's in what you do. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. The apostle of love says this very simply. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I have... Many times told my wife that I love her and she I. But sometimes, with me more than her, my actions betray my words. Loving God is all-encompassing. We must let it permeate every area of our lives. Loving God is always shown. You can tell every person here in the pew which of them love God and which of them do not, simply by paying close attention to how they live. And finally, loving God means growing. We are expected to grow in our love. Oh, I know Josh and Michaela are deeply in love. I don't doubt that for a second. But I know, and you do too, that that love will have to grow, won't it? That love will have to outlast some trials and some storms. There will come a time when love is all you have left. The only way that love lasts is for love to mature and grow and strengthen. The scriptures say it very clearly this way. Philippians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 Paul, writing to his beloved family at Philippi, says this, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You likely remember the first time you came down front to put on Christ. I'm hoping the only time. Why did you do it? Because you loved him? I would guess. My guess is perhaps you feared him more than you loved him. But that love grew. First John says that perfect love casts out fear. That as we grow and mature... That as our roots grow deeper in his love and our, our lives grow fuller into his love, we begin to mature. Our love abounds more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So may we love God by growing in our love and by keeping his word. We'll finish with this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. We know... 1 John chapter 2, excuse me, verses 3 through 5. We know that we have come to know him. Did you catch that? We know we have come to know him if we do what? If we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word... Love for God is truly made complete in them. Let our love grow. May it abound more and more, not just in knowledge, but in depth of insight. May our love lead us to his love letter, that we might study it, more importantly, that we might live it. Remember the church in Ephesus A church, much like I imagine Northside, if Northside had existed in the first century. Jesus had a lot of good things to say about the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. But he said this, There is one thing I have against you. You have forsaken your first love. We can be busy doing a lot of things. We can be very obedient. We can be... Exceptional in many ways. And yet, we can forsake our first love. That's true in a marriage. It's true in a family. It's true in a church. Now, this morning, if you are here and you are not in Jesus Christ, then you do not stand a chance in eternity. I can't make it any more clear than that. The Bible is very clear, five simple steps to knowing him or to begin knowing him. You must hear the gospel. I hope I've done that adequately this morning. Two, you must believe in Jesus. He's the only way. He is the only way we can come to the Father. Three, we have to repent of sin, meaning you can't, you can't come to Jesus and st- continue living in sin. Four, you have to confess that he is the Lord, that you believe that with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then, fifthly, you put him on in baptism. That's not the final step. That's the first step, the beginning of a lifelong journey. Loving God is all-encompassing. Loving God is always shown. Loving God means growing. May you begin today by growing in Christ, by growing in his love. And knowing how deeply he loves you. If you need Christ, I'll be down here with our elders this morning to meet you. If you would like to know more about him, or if you'd just like to talk with the preaching guy a little bit, right after worship I'll be at the north doors to meet you. Please come if you have any need as together we stand and sing.